0: Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 7:14. My name is Julian Castillo. I am a senior, double majoring in management information systems and music, and hopefully graduating this coming May. Growing up in the Lutheran church, I learned that I could ask God for anything. When I was seven, I asked God for a toy transformer. When I was in seventh grade, I asked God for a girlfriend. And my freshman year of college, I asked God for some direction. What purpose do you have for me? And here I am with uh, two completely different majors. One of my best friends asked God some questions in 2010 when her mother was diagnosed with cancer. After five hard-fought years, she died And I distinctly remember a conversation that I had with my friend at the ELCA youth gathering. She told me of the tremendous pain her mother went through the hours before she died, the nightmares she got of her mother reaching out, asking for help and unable to do anything about it. She prayed to God asking for him to take her pain away and make her healthy again. After seeing her torment, she told me she couldn't believe in a God that was still active in this world. Maybe he did work 2,000 years ago and sent Jesus to die, but now, how could God let a strong Christian Roman endure so much pain? Maybe some of you have similar questions or stories, or know someone who does. My grandpa, after years battling cancer and heart disease, died when I was a freshman in college. I had just started school, ready to start a new chapter of my life when the week before Labor Day, his heart gave out. We knew it had been coming, His health had been deteriorating fast over the last year, and I saw him before I left for school. While my family had been expecting his death, there was still a part of me that was hoping that God would pull him through. He had defeated cancer and had already been dealing with his heart condition for 20 years. In these two periods of life, I've felt completely and utterly helpless. I felt helpless talking to my friend about her faith, helpless when my grandpa died. I asked God for help, and I was just left with more questions. I felt a loss of control, and I know that it is my inability to fully trust in God, his plan and purpose, that led to these feelings. Here in Isaiah, King Ahaz, the king of Israel, is asked to fully trust in God's plan and purpose for him. His kingdom is faced with terrible calamity when the nations of Syria and Judah march on Jerusalem. Ahaz is freaking out. While God calls them to smoldering stubs of firewood, God, through Isaiah, calls on Ahaz to trust him, to put all of his hope in God's power rather than his own. Ahaz is desperate because he believes there is no possible way he can defeat the armies coming down on him. And in this passage, Isaiah blesses Ahaz with four pieces of wisdom Be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid and don't lose heart. Isaiah tells Ahaz that God will fulfill his promises. His promise to Ahaz that he will save Jerusalem, his promise to the people of Isaiah by bringing a Messiah through the birth of a son, and his promise to us that he is always with us, Emmanuel, God with us. What do you cling on to? When your world is crashing down, When you're defeated and can't get out of bed and go to class. When there seems to be no end to the amount of homework, tests, papers, and work to do. When life itself can't seem to give you a break, where is your hope? Here, Ahaz chooses to trust himself rather than God. He goes to the Assyrians and asks for their help, and Jerusalem is saved. Even though God already promised Ahaz that Jerusalem would already be saved. To us, it seems simple, because we see the fulfillment of God's promise through his son, Jesus. But the Israelites had to fully relinquish control and put their hope in God, in a Messiah. Even though I get the whole picture, even though I know how it ends, I turn into an Ahaz and I think I can do it myself. I still struggle with control and where to place my hope. Two parts of me fight acting on the knowledge that I have a God who loves me and cares for me and wants the best for me and will never fail me, or, on the other hand, ignoring all of that and trying to do everything myself. I'm going to be honest. The realities of this world can be hard to bear. It's so easy to go through each day believing that it's all me and try to be God in my own life. And I question whether my pursuit for a relationship with Jesus is just in vain, like my friend who lost her mom. Life is beautiful but we live in a broken world where sin runs rampant and it requires a tremendous amount of courage and faith to put my hope in heaven, to put my hope in a God that fulfills all promises. Isaiah doesn't just promise to Ahaz that he will save Jerusalem. He promises that the long-awaited Messiah will come through a virgin and a son. God promises us not just grace for our sins, but also that he is with us always through his son, Jesus, Emmanuel. I know that Jesus lives, that God kept his promise, and because of that, I can put my hope in God's advice to Ahaz. Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. And don't lose heart. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel.
1: There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Luke 2, 8 through 10. My name is Ryan Van and I'm a junior major, a uh, junior business major at UNI. Like most business majors... Uh, I was very career-oriented for a majority of my college career. Fall of last uh, last year, I had three jobs on top of school, student orgs, and volunteer commitments. After all, I thought the best thing was to get as much experience as possible, even if it meant burning myself out. The next semester, I was offered and accepted a technical job that was more hours per week, would be a huge resume builder, and the best pay I'd ever received. Who wouldn't want that? I was so positive it was the next step forward in my journey and that it would fast track my career. I was so sure that it would bring me joy. My career path had so much momentum and I kept thinking, I just gotta get through this and then it will pay off in the next season of life. It's all about the future. It turned out the job was not a great fit for me. I would spend hours and hours each day doing work that was very technical, not very exciting, and didn't involve a whole lot of personal interaction. Overall, I didn't have any passion for what I was doing, and every day, I would be more drained. Looking back on the whole experience, I had zero idea how joy worked. I thought it came from something external, like the 10th punch on a sidecar gift card, or the construction on Walnut Street finally getting finished. Yeah, I know. Or a good paying job. Early this past summer, while working that job, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I was sitting at my desk one day thinking, maybe I don't wanna work this job all summer. And right as I had that thought, one of my roommates texted me a job description for a job I didn't really have much experience with, paid less, and isn't the typical job most business majors go for. Um, I went for it. I'd only ever taken a job that I thought was better than my current job, so this move was weird. Uh, Less than a week after I got that text, I got offered a job at a Bible camp. Financially, pretty dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Career-wise, not the best move. (laughs) In terms of joy, though, it was a huge step in the right direction for me to understand it. At camp, there was so much time devoted to being in prayer and scripture so many relationships built, and opportunities to grow in areas that I'm passionate about. Every day, I would be interacting with people and having so much fun in a Christ-centered environment. And something about working with kids just brings so much joy to my life. They're kind of funny and gullible. Um, I convinced a good number of kids that Cinco de Mayo was on August Um, (laughs) 12th. But more importantly, I learned that these relationships are where joy exists. In the passage, the shepherds in the field are busy at work. Tending to their flock was not an easy job. And even though they were in the middle of their busyness and hard work, they were told that great joy was coming and it filled them up. They kept going in their daily, sometimes mundane lives with the new expectancy of something incredible that will be life bringing. In the moment though, they were terrified they had no idea what was going on and they didn't know what was gonna happen. Sometimes we get so caught up in the craziness of life that fear takes hold. For For me, fear came from not going the right direction in my career path, I thought, and kind of abandoning the stability that came from my idea of a perfect career. Thankfully, joy crushes that fear. I still don't fully understand how joy works at this point, but I now understand it a little bit more. I learned that it wasn't actually about what job I had, but where I found the joy in my life. We know the good news that the angel had for the shepherds. I found out that joy doesn't come from the external things, it comes from being content with life. I realized that joy isn't something you have to wait for, but it's how your heart is oriented. I know that throughout life, I'm gonna experience uncertainties and difficult situations because everyone is, but now, I know that joy is rooted in my relationship with Jesus. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Luke 2, 8-10.
2: a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. This it will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Luke 2, 11-14. So a bunch of shepherds are hanging out, doing their job, when an angel appears to them and tells them that the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for, has just been born and is wrapped in cloth, laying down in a trough which cattle normally eat from. So I'm guessing they would be seriously confused, bewildered, perhaps excited, but probably really confused and shocked. To make the hearts beat even faster, even more angels appear and they start praising and giving glory to God, rightfully so. Then they say, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's where I get stuck peace to those on whom his favor rests. My name is Allie Henson. I'm a senior elementary education major, student teaching in the spring, which means in less than six months, I will be out of college in the real world and doing this thing they call adulting. With that in mind, how am I doing right now? Honestly, I'm not in the best place. Um, My heart is full of fear and anxiety and stress and loneliness and confusion, hurt and doubt. I feel like I'm living from sleep to sleep. I cry all the time from random sadness and feeling overwhelmed with all my feelings. I get anxious very easily when I think of all that I have to do. I get frustrated even easier with honestly everything. I am mean to people who just wanna love and care for me. I wonder if I'm doing enough when it comes to my relationships, schoolwork, future, and family life. I have no idea where where I will end up living, working, or just being after May. I'm self-conscious about how I look, and I'm scared of what people think of me, and I feel like I'm living in and out of fear. So, when I felt a huge tug on my heart to speak about peace, I thought it was a joke. God, I can't talk about peace. I don't even know what peace feels like right now. The words in that piece of scripture say, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Do you not favor me? Because I don't feel peace, I feel everything but that. What am I doing wrong? What can I do better to feel this peace? Why do I keep sucking and making mistakes and making it harder for myself to feel at peace? And how can I possibly talk to a bunch of people about this peace? And all these questions have swirled around my brain as I've gone through this semester. As I have had these questions, God placed the word peace everywhere, peace. In every song, every scripture reading, every teaching, every book, everything I listen to or read, the word peace screamed out at me. And there was literally a song that was introduced at basic called peace. It would be arrogant of me to come up here and tell you that in all of these places, I was seeing the word peace, hearing it, pondering it, and then all of a sudden I got it. I now feel the overwhelming peace of the Lord, always. Jesus is teaching me about peace, yes, but I am still nowhere near having it figured out. I don't think I ever will, not until I get to be in the presence of peace himself one day in heaven. But there is one overarching idea that I've learned this semester when it comes to peace. It's not about me. It's not about how I feel. It's not about my stress or my hurt, my doubt, my self-image, it's not about my fear. It's about Jesus. And when I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at the wrong person. I don't see peace when all I'm doing is looking at the crap that is happening. I need to look to Jesus. I think God put the idea of peace on my brain this semester so that I would learn to start looking at him during all the heartaches I'm experiencing. He wanted me to take my eyes off of myself and put them onto him. This is so hard though. It's easy to say, but I struggle with it a lot. It's hard to think of the positives or just look to Jesus when I can't even see him over the hard stuff. So under the overarching theme of it's not about me and looking to Jesus, I have learned the bullet point or helpful tip of having people. When I'm sad and waiting to go back to sleep, When all I can think of is me, my feelings, and my situation, I learned that I need people who will speak truth over me. A community that helps me look back to the cross, to look at Jesus. The Jesus who was born into a crappy world as the lowest of the low. I mean his crib was where cows' food was held. The Jesus who had people hate him, spit on him, beat him, kill him. The Jesus who went through all of this all because he loved us, he loved me, he loves me. When I forget this, which happens too often, I need a community that reminds me, a community that points me back to the cross, to look at God, the keeper and definition of peace. Looking back at the scripture, peace to those on whom his favor rests, I remembered my biggest question. Do not favor me because I don't feel peace, I feel everything but that. Thank God it's not about my feelings. Thank God I'm not favored for only doing the right thing, favored when I stop making mistakes, or favored only when I feel the right way. I am favored because I decided to accept the best gift offered, Jesus. I didn't have to do anything to earn it. I can't do anything to earn it. God gave himself freely to me and I just had to accept it. So my hope and prayer for you tonight is that you accept the peace that is Jesus that you start the process of choosing to look at Jesus in the midst of your situation. It takes time and other friends to remind us to look in the right place, but but when we look at this piece, Jesus, our sadness, hurt, doubt, and our fears don't stand a chance. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Luke two eleven through fourteen.
3: God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 316. Hi, my name is Sari Hopple. I'm a senior at UNI. I'm studying exercise science pre-physical therapy. This time of year is always exciting because everyone is so hopeful and joyful, spending time with friends and family. By surrounding yourself with the most important people in your life, That means you're most likely surrounding yourself with one word, love. Love. We all want to experience it. Considering we were created in Christ's image and Christ is love, we were made to experience love. But not just any type of love is able to satisfy us. Since we are created in Christ, only the love of Jesus can quench our deepest desires of our hearts. I've experienced this love before, when I first truly realized the sacrifice God made for me and you. I was in middle school at a church camp when I remember watching the story of Jesus unfold in front of my eyes. Throughout that hour, sitting in silence, watching God's love overflow, and in that instant, peace began to take over me, and I could could breathe easier, not because my situation changed, but because God took hold of my heart. He sent his only son to die to save an orphanage of sinners. He sent his only son to change my life and take it from ordinary to extraordinary. I felt complete through Christ. Yet, somewhere along the path of life, my vision of love became blurred. I fell through the cracks of this life, and I haven't been able to stand up again. For years, I've never felt quite like I was enough. People and situations in my life kept telling me the lie that I don't quite measure up. Unworthy and unlovable are words that play through my head every single day. These words are a broken record that I've heard for years. And although I try to quiet them by outperforming or overachieving or trying to find ways to be enough in people's eyes, my brokenness grows deeper and those lies in my head grow louder trying to find a way to be worthy, trying to live up to expectations. Living for this world is only causing me to feel more broken. I'm not here to tell you that I have found the love of God again and I'm living my best life. I'm here to tell you that I'm in the midst of my valley. That when I'm smiling, my heart is probably breaking. That sometimes when I laugh, I want to cry. And when the words I'm fine come out of my mouth, it's nothing but a lie there is nothing I want more than to truly feel the love of God again, to be fully satisfied in who God has created me to be, to forget about the lies that the devil has thrown at me. From the outside, you are looking at a girl who puts on a mask of perfection, not letting anyone know or see any pain, but only beauty and joy. But on the inside, I am broken. Even though I have tried, I am unable to get up from this valley on my own. I have realized it is foolish to try to mend my heart without God, so I am slowly trying to turn back to Christ to stand in the reign of God's love and joy, hoping that it will seep through and touch my heart. I know God died to save me from my sins. I believe in the all-knowing and loving God, whose grace on the cross fills my gaps in my life. But what I haven't been able to find recently in this valley is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The personal love that Jesus of Jesus that He gives to us each and every day is what I'm missing right now. The love and joy that wakes you up in the morning, filling your surroundings and every situation you face with hope and a purpose. The love and joy that sweeps you up, helping you realize that even though you are in the presence of Christ, more sinful and flawed than you dare to believe in that moment, you know that you are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than you ever dared hope. That he looks right at your insecurities, you know he declares you beautiful, spotless, and righteous. That is the love that I crave. That is the joy that I miss. The love and joy that I've been missing starting the day I let the devil take hold of my heart. The day I started listening to what the world says over what God says. I want to experience God's love again. Even though I want it now, I've come to realize that true healing takes time. I know in my head that I am loved by my Father. I can replace those words of unworthy, undeserving, not good enough with divine, beautiful, worthy, and daughter. So I will keep repeating them in my head while slowly God is chipping away at the hardness of my heart. Even though I have trouble feeling love, I know God surrounds me with love every day, even on my hardest ones. He does this through the love of a coworker who without knowing it can make me feel so valuable and wanted, the love of parents who are always there to wipe away every tear when I hurt, or the love of friends who never let me fight my battles alone. More days than not, my heart still feels empty and silent. But I have to remember, there were three days the earth stood still, feeling alone and silent before the resurrection. And as the earth waited, God was saving. At least once a day, my world stands still in the midst of my brokenness and my hurt. But I know he's done it before. He has saved in the silence and pain, and I choose to believe that he will do it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one, one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16.
4: When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8:12. Hi, my name is Kayla Byer. This is my third year at UNI, majoring in communication sciences and disorders, and I'll hopefully be graduating this May. Growing up in a Christian home, I remember singing about this light in little cherubs, the children's choir at my home church about 25 of us five-year-olds would sing, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. With childlike faith, I'd sing, or sometimes just yell, these words on stage. (laughs) Either way, people would clap and tell me how cute I looked, even when I was basically terrified. As I've grown in my faith, I've realized how powerful this light really is. While preparing for today, I read back in Exodus, a specific cross-reference to this verse, where Moses was standing on Mount Sinai. While there, Moses asked the Lord to show him his glory. The Lord replied, You cannot see my face, for a man shall not see me and live. Moses would have died from the power of God's glory, the intensity of God's light. He was a sinner without a savior and could not see the Lord's face. But now, since Jesus was born in a lowly manger, and died on a cross to cleanse us of the sin in our lives and save us from this darkness, we can have light. In fact, when we trust and believe in his name, the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of us. That is, we have light within us. We have the light of life. On the other hand, living with the light on earth doesn't mean that life is going to be sunshine and rainbows. We still live in a broken world and will probably be terrified at one point or another. For me, in the midst of this season of grad school applications and change, fear trickles in. Oftentimes, I let it take root and begin longing for acceptance at certain schools and wanting to know where I'll be living in approximately nine months. With big picture things, I like stability and desire to know what lies in front of me. As a result, I often struggle to put God above these earthly desires. Desires for control, success, etc. Maybe your earthly desires are the same as mine, maybe they're different. Either way, when I long for these earthly things, I'm living captive to sin. Sin that prevents me from seeing the ways that God desires to work within me and in the people around me. I become self-centered and I'm unable to be a witness for God here on earth. I can't be living in sin and letting my light shine at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. In 1 John, which further explains the Gospel of John, the writer says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I honestly speak my darkness to God in prayer, I can find peace, hope, joy, love, and can be fully restored to be light to those around me. Because of Jesus, this sweet baby boy born in a manger this Christmas season, you and I can be forgiven and free. Our light can be restored. By actively following the Lord, I can have life. The earthly successes that I may experience now will vanish at the moment when Jesus comes again and all darkness is washed away. But the time I spend showing the light of Christ to those around me has eternal value. In a society where it seems like crazy goals, dreams, and busy plans are admirable, I have to guard my heart and set my eyes on the one who created it to begin with. But it's not easy, it's hard, and we might look terrified sometimes. But Jesus can restore us if we'll trust him. We can follow the light of the world as we seek what will come next. My prayer for you is that you remember and seek the light that created you and is chasing after you in whatever season you're in. And hopefully, with continual honest prayers to God to help us follow him, you and I can step into the peace, hope, love, light, and joy of Jesus and walk with the one who created us to live. We don't have to be terrified because we can walk in the light. When Jesus spoke against the people, he said, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." John 8:12.